0: This is T.C. Palmcast, top Treasure Coast headlines and more from T.C. Palm, part of the USA Today Network.
1: Good morning and welcome to T.C. Palmcast. It's Friday, April 12th, and this has been a particularly busy week for T.C. Palm and some big headlines we've had. So, of course, I brought Daisy Johnson in so we can talk about them. Good morning. Hello.
0: Let's talk about some news. Oh,
1: boy, has it been a big week for news around here. (laughs) Yep. First, we want to start off with an update on the hepatitis A outbreak that's been going on in Martin County. So in the earlier episode this week, I had reporter Will Greenley and columnist Gil Smart in here to talk about what they have knew so far and what they're still trying to find, what information they're still trying to gather, and they've been hitting a lot of roadblocks with the health department in Martin County and just getting some answers. So that's still going on. Unfortunately, we're still trying to confirm a lot of cases and rumors that we've been hearing, but we're trying our best to get some of these questions answered that I know that a lot of readers have. But Sarah Marino did have a story on Wednesday on TC Palm about a third person that died in Palm City that we believe died from hepatitis A. His name was Lee Collins. He was a Palm City resident, and he died last Sunday. And while the health department will not confirm it, his brother, Robert Hall, said that Lee died from complications from the Hep A virus. If that is true, that would make Lee the third person from Palm City to die from complications from the Hepatitis A virus in the past month. And actually, it was Lee's obituary that first said how he died. So his brother, Robert, says that Lee and his wife, Cindy Collins, went camping about two weeks ago in North Florida, and that is when Lee started to feel sick. So then, his brother and his wife returned to Palm City, and Lee was diagnosed with Hepe by a doctor at a hospital in Martin County, but he would not say which hospital, as t c Palm reported earlier. Jeffrey Kirsch and his wife Nancy died march twenty eighth from the virus. as of right now, we have sixteen confirmed cases of Hepe in Martin County. And that number could climb. We've been hearing a lot of rumors about other people that have been sick. We've had people commenting on our stories on Facebook that they currently have Hepatitis A. So that number of 16 could change. We also do have two reported cases in St. Lucie County and, as of right now, none in Indian River County. And that is all from data that we've collected from the Florida Health Department.
0: This is pretty scary stuff. I know a lot of people are concerned. Obviously, this is a huge number compared to the normal amount of these cases that we have. Mm -hmm. Even though 16 doesn't sound like a lot, it really is compared to what it's been before. I know that we have a lot of stories up talking about what symptoms are, what people can do. So we do have a lot of information about that.
1: And I know some people have been asking a lot of questions about things like symptoms, like how do you know? Because a lot of the symptoms are very similar to the flu. Right. So, how do you know if you have the flu or how do you know if you have hepatitis A?
0: And the flu has been kind of crazy this season, too. So, it, it, even more people are concerned now.
1: Yes. You and I had the flu earlier. This <laughs> we had it at the same time. We did. <laughs> Funny how that happened. So one of the things we have been hearing from people and from professionals is that if you even suspect that you are sick or you have any sort of flu-like symptoms, it's better to go to the doctor. It's better to go to the local hospital and get checked out, you know, be cautious, be a little more proactive than you normally would be having normal flu, aches and pain type symptoms. So obviously this has been getting a ton of attention on our Facebook page We've had people calling for the CDC and the health department to be more transparent, asking where they are and why they're not helping out the citizens of Martin County. We've had people questioning where these people that have been sick, could they have gotten it from restaurants, could they have gotten it from where they shopped. People are very scared and they want answers and there's a lot of frustration and a lot of anger that's being voiced on our social media pages. And then I did want to share, uh, Renee Thompson actually had a suggestion that the health department should be going to Palm City residents and actually having mandatory vaccinations for Hep A to kind of stop this from spreading. Right. So, unfortunately, we're still fighting a lot to get answers. We're still calling the health department multiple times a day. We have a lot of people working on this story. If you have any information about any of the people who have passed away or you know of anybody that is sick with hepatitis A, if you're sick with hepatitis A, whether you live in Palm City or you live somewhere else on the Treasure Coast, if there's anybody out there that has any sort of information whatsoever, please email us at tcpalmcast at tcpalm.com.
0: All right, jumping into a St. Lucie County story, a video of a sheriff deputy forcefully taking a student to the ground was circulating on social media earlier this week, but St. Lucie County Sheriff Ken Mascara has said that it's really important to know the context of what occurred and the history of this 11-year-old student. So here's what happened. The incident happened Tuesday afternoon at Lincoln Park Academy. The child was taken to a facility under provisions of the state's Baker Act for a mental health evaluation after he refused to comply with instructions by school staff, caused multiple disturbances and was physically aggressive to staff and other students. The deputy tried to detain the student, but he ran. Mascara said that the student has a history of violence in school and at his home. Mascara also said that the deputy did everything he could to defuse the situation and his use of force fell within the legal as well as the sheriff department's guidelines. However, officials plan to investigate this incident internally. A ton of conversation happening on our Facebook page about this one. From what I gather, just reading through probably the hundreds of comments that are on there at this point, most of the people are disappointed with uh, how everything went down. Obviously, they they may not be taking that context into mm-hmm. account as the sheriff is asking them to do, but they are saying, you know, you cannot take this 200-pound man and have him quote-unquote, body slam an 11-year-old kid. Mm-hmm. So, um, obviously, there's three to- three sides to every story, which we've always learned in the past. But, you know, a lot of people talking about this and concerned about what happened.
1: I think this goes to a bigger conversation of one of the negative side effects of social media. Where this video went out, it became viral. We heard about it from some sources. But because we don't see what happened before or after, you just have this, you know, few-second clip of this action and it can blow out of proportion because we don't stop and think about what this backstory was, like Ken Mascara said. And so people were calling for this guy to get fired. They were calling for all sorts of actions, not knowing the story behind it.
0: Exactly. A few people did post on there, though, saying, hey, you know, uh, in the Parkland shooting and the security officer under, on duty there, he was under so much scrutiny for not being aggressive enough. Or, and so they, you know, are, are pointing to that saying you can't pick and choose what we want here in these types of situations, whether the kid was armed or not. You know, mm-hmm. how, how do we want our security guards to act in these situations?
1: And I know that security guards and law enforcement agencies go through a lot of training, but I also think that it's always grassroots always It's always easier to say, oh, he handled it incorrectly, but you don't know what you would do in a situation like that. We don't know how that guy was feeling or if this was a growing issue with this particular student or if the officer was trying to stop something more serious from happening in the classroom.
0: Right. And in this case, it does sound like something pretty serious was happening, especially if the kid was running away. Mm-hmm.
1: Now I want to move on to two stories that are about slimy critters in Florida. Hmm, that's nothing new around here. It's not, but these two headlines are, they're very popular right now. So maybe you saw it on social media, maybe you saw it on the news last weekend, but last Friday, the Big Cypress National Preserve in South Florida posted on its Facebook page that they caught a 17-foot female Burmese python. She's quite large. took four people to hold her up, four really big men to hold her up. No, thank you. No, I I don't (laughs) do snakes. But she weighed in at 140 pounds and she contained 73 eggs, which some people are saying is a record for female pythons. I'm not sure if that's true or not, but that is a lot of eggs. They're also saying that she was one of the largest pythons to ever be caught in the preserve. And the officials at the Big Cypress National Preserve were talking about it because they were able to catch her through this new program that they do where they have actually caught male pythons and attached radio transmitters to them, and then they release the snakes back out into the wild to follow them to those breeding females so then they can Mm. catch the males and then catch the females because they're trying to stop this invasive species from populating more in the area. So the agency says the team not only removed the invasive snakes but is able to use this new program to collect data for research— develop new removal tools, and learn how the pythons are actually using the preserve to breed, to hide, to
0: feed, things like that. That's pretty cool. It is cool. I still think pythons are gross. (laughs) Especially a 140-pound one. I mean, that's how much I weigh, so... (laughs) That's a lot of snake.
1: (laughs) Now, I thought it was interesting in the story that we had on TC Palm. There was a report last August that came out from the Smithsonian Magazine that says the invasive Burmese python is now considered a hybrid in Florida. Oh, okay. They can be found across more than 1,000 square miles of South Florida. They can grow to 23 feet in length and weigh more than 200 pounds and have been causing major ecological problems in our state. Mm. So obviously this got a lot of attention on social media. We found it through the post that was on Facebook from the Big Cypress National Preserve. Then we put a story on TC Pomp. It went gangbusters, thousands of shares, thousands of comments. My dad actually heard about this watching World News Now over the weekend.
0: And he lives where?
1: And he lives in Michigan. (laughs) And he called me going, oh my goodness, did you see the snake? And I was like, yes, dad. Yes, dad. Saw that snake. (laughs) But uh, Burmese pythons are a big problem in Florida, and they are coming north, away from places like the Everglades and Big Cypress National Preserve. Last spring, I actually had a high school kid shadowing me for a week, trying to learn about journalism and learn about TC Palm, and one of the events I took him to with our local photographer was actually at a park up in St. Lucie County, where parks and rec employees and people from animal control were actually having a Burmese python training session where... (laughs) Yes, this was a real thing, and we have the photos to prove it, where members of the animal control and the state brought out snakes of different lengths. There were about 10 or 12 out there, and everybody had to practice catching them. So wow. So they'd pour them out of what looked like pillowcases, let them go a couple feet, let them start slithering and moving, and then everybody take turns catching them. And That's these,
0: actually awesome. <laughs> these suckers were getting so mad. I bet. But they were huge. They're like 8 and 10 feet long. Yeah, and- but they weren't 22 feet and 200 pounds. How do you practice for that?
1: I don't know. I really don't. I think it's that fight or flight thing. The adrenaline is going to catch catch up to you, and you're just going to pounce on. I don't know. But just looking at the 8 and the 10-footers, I was surprised at how fast they moved for yeah. being that long and that thick. There were a couple that were waiting for them, to, the snakes to start moving before the volunteers practiced. And some of them kind of got away and started heading down toward the river at this park in St. Lucie County. And they got a little nervous there a couple times. Uh, yeah. Two and three guys had to go catch these snakes to stop them from going into the canal. You one in the canal. You might
0: be out of luck at that point. I
1: think you might be. <laughs> But, yeah, this is, so this is a big problem in Florida. Uh, luckily, I haven't seen any loose in Martin County or on the Treasure Coast. I'm not really looking for them. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a good thing. So, obviously, this got a lot of shares. It's got a lot of tags on our Facebook page. But I did want to share one comment that I thought was really interesting. Richard Brown said, These snakes have every right to their life as you do. They didn't ask to be brought here and then dumped. For them to have even adapted to our area is a miracle of nature. So it was like the one comment that we had that was positive and it was kind of like
0: pro-snake that I thought was interesting. I have to agree with him. Mm-hmm. I am fearful of snakes, but he's right that they do have a right to be here. So that's probably going to be a lifelong debate on what do we do with these invasive species as they continue to grow in numbers and do we have to go in and kill them? Obviously, that seems to be the answer so far. I don't know if that will ever change
1: I know it's a, it's affecting the ecology of the state, What was naturally right. here. So this is a bigger debate with South Florida Water District officials and exactly. other state officials, parks and recs, things like that. But this, if you haven't seen this photo, don't know how you could have missed it. She's quite
0: large. I bet. I bet she's pretty, though.
1: Yeah, depends on your definition of pretty. We'll go, I'll go, you go with pretty, okay. I'll go with slimy.
0: Okay. Yeah. Deal.
1: Okay. So we have one more slimy critter, right, Deja?
0: Yes, another invasive species. They are back, the giant, ugly, toxic toads. (sighs) And actually, I noticed this the other day. Out of nowhere, I had six in my yard. And they like to hang out under these little wooden planks that I have in the backyard. So obviously, I was like, oh, great, they're back. One is huge. I am too afraid to catch them, so I need to get somebody else to help me out to get them out of my yard because I do have a dog and two pigs, so... The Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission is warning Floridians to protect pets and children against cane toads, also known as marine, giant, or bufo toads, which are back in Florida. And we talk about this every year. It's Mm -hmm. nothing new. We're used to seeing these guys, but it seems like they are increasing in number, maybe?
1: Maybe it's the season, maybe they come back in the spring, not sure. They definitely
0: do because all that rain is starting to kick up again. We've got, you know, the warmer temperatures, the standing water. Uh, So these toads secrete a milky white toxic substance called bufotoxin, and it's their defense mechanism. If a dog or cat comes into contact with the toxin by biting or sniffing the slow-moving toads, the toxins could kill them within 15 minutes without emergency treatment. Symptoms of toad poisoning in pets include drooling, loss of coordination, head shaking, and convulsions. If poisoning is suspected, use a hose to run the water in the side of the mouth for 10 minutes, taking care not to flush it down the throat, but out and away. You can also take a towel and wipe out your pet's gums and tongue, and then get your pet to the vet as soon as possible.
1: So I think we also bring this story back out every year to kind of remind people, because we have a lot of people visiting, right. maybe somebody who got a new pet that didn't have last year when we had this warning out. So we do have a good story on TC Bomb and a
0: video to explain... What the buffo toads is all about. And they look very similar to another type of toad that is not toxic, so you kind of have to learn the difference, and we do have videos explaining that as well. The secretions are actually not good for people either, so a lot of people will catch these with their hands. I don't. I put on gloves if I – I think the twice I tried to catch these things I had gloves on. Ew. Uh, But these substances can irritate the skin and burn the eyes. This is interesting, though. In Palm Beach Gardens, one neighborhood is reporting an infestation of thousands of these toads. Oh, my gosh. One resident even said that she had hundreds of them in her swimming pool. Oh! That would be a sight to see. I have one in my pool, and I panic. But hundreds? Oh. Ugh. So, how does...
1: Like, oh, thank okay, you. You said you had one get in your pool. So, did they get affected by the chlorine?
0: Or... Yeah, he was dead. He okay. was floating. Uh, this story that we have up about this Palm Beach Gardens, uh, she said that they were swimming in her pool. So I don't know if maybe oh. she had just a saltwater pool and they were fine. I have a little chlorine in mine and maybe that killed it. I don't know. But yeah, uh, they're having a pool party. Oh, <laughs> I would love—I
1: t- would just let them have the pool at that point in time and be like, backyard's all yours. There you go. <laughs> One, two, maybe I'll I can handle. next winter.
0: Hundreds, nah, I'm outnumbered. Nope, they can have the pool. It's fine. I don't need it that much. I knew these guys were invasive, but what what I didn't know is that they're native to South and Central America, but they were actually introduced in Florida as a way of managing pests in the sugarcane fields in the 1930s, and that's according to the University of Florida. So a few things you can do to make your yard less desirable to these toads are to cut your grass regularly, keep it short, fill in any holes around structures, uh, trim the underside of shrubs and keep branches off the ground clear brush piles and remove clutter, and feed pets indoors when possible and bring indoor pet and water bowls indoors at night. You can also clean any food scraps from those pet bowls and outside tables or grills or anything like that.
1: So I'm assuming you take the same precautions for your piggies that other people take for their dogs.
0: I have been, but uh, my most recent concern is I have a baby pool that sits out there for the pigs because they love to roll around in the water. So Mm -hmm. I am in the habit now of dumping that out every night, flipping it upside down, just so that the next morning when they go outside, there's no chance of a toad being in there or if it was in there and there's any secretions left, I don't want to play... I don't want to play any games with that so no
1: i think better safe than
0: sorry with our pets out there yeah and like always this blew up on facebook most people just tagging each other to say you know hey remember this is going on a lot of other people chiming in though saying hey this has happened to my dog this is what happened i was able to hose out their mouth but it was a really scary 10 to 20 minutes so mm-hmm. but just a lot of people kind of sharing their stories in there
1: our co-worker maureen kenyon had that happen to her dog gonzo i think it was two summers yeah. ago now he got one and she didn't see him actually get the frog but then she saw the symptoms later, the shaking, the head, the drooling, yeah. they just kind of like not walking right. Yeah. So she sprayed his mouth out and he was okay. But he's a big dog. And that's one of the things I saw on our Facebook page is people saying they had smaller dogs. It did actually kill their pets. But if yeah. they had the bigger dogs, they were able to uh, come out on the other side of the symptoms and they were okay. Yeah. So I think, I think the weight of the dog probably has something to do with it and how they can handle it.
0: Definitely. So there you go. Our two Oh So Florida stories. Yes. Snakes and toads.
1: We're going to try to throw one or two of those in there.
0: (laughs) We can't not because they're just always
1: happening around here. Absolutely. So if you guys have any questions, any comments on any of the stories that we talked about this week or anything else you saw on our Facebook page or on TC Palm, please, please reach out to us at tcpalmcast at tcpalm.com or you can comment on our Facebook page. Daisha, thanks for coming in today. Thank you.
0: This is TC Palmcast. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I'm the executive producer, Daisha Johnson. This podcast is also produced by Hannah Schwab and Karen Schaefer. The editor is Tim Thorson. Interviews and reporting is done by TC Palm staff. You can email us at tcpalmcast.com at tcpalm.com.